0: Welcome to a special off-season episode of the Humor and Games podcast. Today, we sit down with Allison Cole and Dora Rogers to talk about their upcoming game, Alchemistresses. It's a queer game about magical girls, reincarnation, and self-discovery that's set to release on Kickstarter on June 14th. We get a sneak peek into the game, the design process, and of course, the humor behind it all. We talk tabletop role-playing game design, intimacy as humor, and magical girls. So grab your character sheets, your anime voice lines, and join us for this special episode of Humor and Games. Could you please introduce yourselves to our wonderful audience today?
1: Uh, I guess the answer is yes. And I will, sorry, I'm trying to make a joke because we're in a comedy podcast and I'm very bad at it. <laughs> but hi I'm I'm being mocked incessantly I'm Allison uh, and I am one of the designers on a new tabletop role play game coming out I did my master's degree in game design and I actually studied intimacy in game design and intimate design uh, which I honestly think is really tightly and closely linked to humor in a lot of ways so I think this will be a fun conversation to have
2: uh, and I am Dora D. Rogers. Um, I am a writer, game designer uh, in Montreal. I'm a technology professional by day. Um, I don't have any fancy credentials, but my uh, work is uh, tends to focus a lot on queerness, especially, and also on domesticity and, uh, and romance. Awesome. Well, thank you so much both for being here today.
0: I mean, I can't wait to talk about the new game that we're gonna get into in a second. But before we do, we always like to ask everyone that comes on the show, if they can kind of give us an example of a moment in a game that they've played or that they've designed that they find really funny or they find humorous. So to you, what's
2: like a humorous moment that you've encountered in a game? Okay, so um, yeah, this is, so this was a playtest of Alchemistresses that we're here to talk about today. Um, yeah, I feel like it's a culmination of both the game design and Allison's DMing style um, I was in a situation where I was magically disguising myself as my own older cousin to go on a date with somebody who, it turned out, was also magically disguising themselves. We didn't know it at the time, but in our past lives, we'd been lovers. But now we were, she was the villain of the campaign. And um, yeah, the, the date was going really badly. I accidentally got drunk. And um, my friend was trying to give me um, signs on flashcards. Um, and eventually I just wandered over to my friend and went into a drunken rant, uh, which I, I got to do in character. Um, I've done some acting and what they always say you're supposed to do is uh, try to try to speak as though you're very sober and enunciate very clearly to, uh, to perform drunkenness, so I, I got to get really into it and just ended up you know being like hey you're a really good friend while the date was still going on. And she kept um, going,
1: don't let me go home with her though. I know she's <laughs> evil, but don't let me go home with her.
2: Yeah. So that's a little taste of what Alchemist is going to be I think That was
0: in dates. your game
2: trailer. Wasn't that
0: in your game trailer as one of
2: the
1: my favorite just, moment of all time that has ever happened. Yeah. Why, yes.
2: <laughs> she uses it. She uses that story for everything.
1: I got I got to her to write some copy for a podcast and she wrote it and I'm like, it doesn't have the Cheesecake Factory in it. I won't accept it. And as Canadians, as a Canadian, I've never been to an actual Cheesecake Factory. So they are these I'll, places of lore. Uh, so I think we, we thought we've talked and thought a lot about like humor and mechanics since we knew we were going to be on this podcast. And I have a friend who is just, the funniest human of all time. Uh, And so I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever read like a explicitly humorous game or like what are explicitly comedic mechanics? And then I was like, oh no, Uh, we designed a game where the players can only communicate with the GM through raccoon noises, both in and out of character. So like, if you're trying to tell the GM what you're doing, like if you're trying to be like, I wanna like hit him with a sword, you have to do it completely in raccoon noises uh and miming and it's like one of my <laughs> one of my favorite things i've never played through a whole game but dora has started like coming into the room sometimes and just being like wah, 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 wah. and i have to try and guess what she's trying to tell me to do um and it's like the the raccoons have to like convince someone to give them a line of credit is like one of the campaigns in the rated r for raccoon so it's that kind of vibe
0: That's amazing, and I'm really glad that you made the sound for me, because I was definitely going to try to make you (laughs) give some raku sounds for the audio. Um, That that was a game that your friends made that you were a participant in, Um, just to Yeah,
1: yeah, that's, I guess, part of the thing about doing a master's degree in game design, is you play all of these games that no one knows about, or even will sometimes get the chance to know about. This is something I did with a friend. Um,
2: Yeah, you were a designer on that.
1: It was for a game jam there was a there was a i can't even remember what it was but there was a like a i think a dating sim called trash friends about raccoons it's a video game uh which i also think falls probably hard into the comedy genre and we're like oh wouldn't it be funny for this jam we made a ttrpg version of that game but you could only talk like raccoons so that's like where that came from.
0: No, that's amazing. I kind of want to go hunt for it now and see if I can pull up a version to play. And I part of this is like, what does humor kind of mean to you in the work that you're doing? And those examples that you both gave kind of hint at like social humor and TTRPGs. And is that kind of the common form of humor that you engage with? Or how do you kind of see your work in relationship to humor and game design?
1: So I'll give this a start uh, and a lot of my personal creative and artistic work is in TTRPGs. Oh, yeah. That's where a lot of my work is. And that's, I think where a lot of the, I'm quoting the funniest stuff I've done is um, I think that I, I lean into that. So the social, I say playfulness, that's all games are playful, but they like lighthearted playfulness and social design. Um, I lean into genres that are uh, kind of funny. I love bad reality TV as like a touchstone, for everything I do, and so I think that also comes into my game design pretty intensely.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about this a lot because um, I think that my my work, I think, is is not usually. I definitely wouldn't call it comedy, although I think it can be funny. Um, I think that actually working with Allison can curb some of my impulses to always be super dramatic or 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 else to be kind of syrupy. Um. So, but like all, that said, um, you know, I, I deal a lot with romance in my work. I deal a lot with, uh, with like social situations, like very cozy domestic situations. And I think that all of those, like you have to express those through humor sometimes, right? Cause that's just how people actually live. You know, like when you are comfortable, when you are with people you care about or that you're comfortable with, like humor is, you know, you'd rather be laughing than crying usually. So humor is something that that comes up naturally. Well, I think that's the beauty of um,
0: a tabletop role playing game where you have everyone kind of around the table and I mean that's the game that we're talking about today and correct me if I'm wrong that you're not classifying it as a tabletop role playing game but um, as I've read it's Mistresses, and as you write, um, it's a queer game about magical girls reincarnation and self discovery. And perhaps you can kind of explain why you chose kind of those three things to describe the game for us.
1: Uh, We do yeah. Totally cool classifying it as a tabletop role play game. I think one of the things that makes the game really unique is we like leaned really heavy into magical girls, but specifically, kind of the magical girl of Sailor Moon, where you have a past life and a present life, and you're slowly like getting in touch with that past life and really using that as kind of this big metaphor for self discovery, for queerness, for discovering who you are. There's been a lot of, like Dee's doing a really good trans character in one of our playtest seasons. Um, There's a lot of room for that, right? Um, Your bodies can be different between your present life and your past life. Uh, Your characteristics can be different. Your upbringing can be different. And kind of figuring out what that means in terms of who am I? What is the true nature of myself? Am I this person from the past? Am I this person I've been pretending to be? Um, So I think that's why... We really want to focus on that in our short in our short like three uh, three word description um we put queerness in there sometimes it got me banned from making Facebook ads though I think allegedly I don't know why I got banned no reason that I know except possibly that one um but those are all kind of really important themes in the game
2: yeah the the game has the structure that I really love of contrasting um present day and past life you actually effectively make to characters is, you know, at least one way to think about what you do. And the I think what we've found in playtesting, especially in longer form play, is that the past life acts as this constant go to, like, the present life self. I feel like I'm sounding very academic all of a sudden. But there's this constant contrast with, like, what choices did I make in the past? Who was I then? In what ways do I want to be more like that? In which ways do I not want to repeat the, the same mistakes that I might have made? Yeah, so I think, like, the self-discovery is definitely something that that comes through really clearly for me. And then, like, the the queerness, like, I imagine that that would depend a lot at who is at the table, but I think that there's a ton of room to explore it, and it's something that I've seen a lot of people. It's something that I did immediately. <laughs> it's just, like, I'm definitely going to play a character who is trans and sort of figures that out by seeing their past self. But I, we've since seen like I've seen other players spontaneously come up with the same concept. So it's uh, yeah, there's there's a lot about uh, a lot of room for identity and exploration in in that mechanic.
1: My favorite past life uh, present day pairing was past life soft boy, present day mean girl. Uh, so the character was getting all these memories of being a soft boy. When they were like the popular girl at high school. So.
0: I, I mean, I have a lot of questions about the game and how it fits into the tabletop genre. But before we do that, I mean, you you've mentioned on Twitter and even in the game's description how it's kind of been a passion project for you, um, Allison, and then perhaps as well for Dora. And uh, can you kind of speak to that that relationship that you both have to this game and kind of what it's come out of and where you kind of see it going?
1: I'll start, and then I will set 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 Dora up again, as is, as is the way. Um, but this is a game that is actually probably the first tabletop role play game I started designing ever. And I've been making games for almost 10 years now. And so it was like eight, eight-ish, maybe nine because time keeps passing that I started doing this. And it was just gonna be at the original, the original session we ran it. I still have the character sheets from it. Um, we have one person, our friend Jess, who's actually played in every iteration of this over the last eight years. And so I have like six or seven copies of their character sheet with each major change, but it was like a, a fate mod because I had just been introduced to how to build characters in fate. And I really loved the web of personal entanglements at the beginning, um, at least in the session we played. I've only played a couple times, so I don't want to claim to be a fate expert, but just this way that you kept tying your characters to other characters, these dramatic ways. And then I loved the idea of being two people. And when you flipped a character sheet, you would change like who you were. And so that started. And then I just kept working on it in the background for years. And I went away to, and I got a master's degree and I would come back on Christmas breaks. And Michael Marcotte, who is the other designer who's been working on it for eight years, and I would like meet up in a cafe or diner uh, when I was back from New York on Christmas and we would just continue to work on it. And I've seen <laughs> this is like really, I guess, I don't know, self-indulgent, but I've seen people play it and really love it. And that makes me love it more, right? Uh, and every time it gets a little better and I see people enjoying it or expressing how, how it let them explore things or what it made them feel or how much they enjoy it. It's been like a passion of mine. And I dragged, I dragged Dora into that. Well, dragged as strong.
2: Was that my setup? Sorry. Oh, that was your setup. (laughs) That was such a good setup.
1: I know we're great.
2: But uh, Allison is almost a compulsively collaborative designer. Uh, I'm very like inclined to keep things close to my chest and I don't want to show people until they're ready um, and I can be, I think Allison could attest, I can be a difficult collaborator sometimes because I get very attached to what's important to me about a project.
1: We like yelled um, back and forth for almost, like, one of the biggest fights of our relationship was whether to left align or center align text in a zine RPG that Dora had made. Like, biggest fight of our relationship.
2: I won that fight for the record. Um, but the, um, but yeah, the so I think that both like the I think a big reason why this is I think so personal to you Allison is that like long relationship with Mikey but also uh you know it it would seem sort of inevitable when you know when when we got close because it's something that you spend so much of your time on and you're just going to inevitably the way that you design is to turn to the somebody nearby and say what do you think of this I can't think of a better way to do this or just to you know like we would have, um, we would do play tests, and then you would say, like, "Hey, I'm going to use that sort of DMing tool that, that you that that you used and bring it into the game." Um, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty unique
1: to the way that you design. Yeah, a lot of it, honestly, is what a good DM Dora's <laughs> been. Uh, there's been like, I just did the math in a tiny calculator on the side, like over 300 hours of play tests of this game, uh, over the years. And Dora's run a fair number of those and I'd be like oh this thing you did was really smart and I think I would like to write it into the structure of the game, and so I did that enough times that I'm like you're a designer on the game now, so now you get all the responsibilities that come with that.
0: Now, I was going to ask a question about text alignment, but I realized that that's going to get into a whole thing. So I'm going to just jump <laughs> into uh, a different kind of trajectory because we've talked a little bit about how this is a queer game, or at least that's a label that we're putting in relationship to it. And we've talked in the past in the podcast about queer games and kind of finding their own communities, finding their own collectives. And so where do you see the audience for a game like this? Is it for a general TTRPG audience? Do you have like a more niche group in mind? Who, who is the the audience that's going to be? Uh, playing alchemistresses in your head.
1: Well, we just bought an ad spot on the on a queer <laughs> a queer TTRPG podcast fest, so that kind of gives a, a strong idea. I think that that's the group that I've designed for. Um, but another thing is that I think there are also really smart mechanics in this game that I am proud of. As like, don't want to use the F word, but like a formalist game designer who likes rules in specific ways. I think there are also uh, those kind of mechanics that I'm proud of and so I'm hoping that it will appeal to a larger audience as well and I get a chance to talk about that as well like my passion is that Sailor Moony queerness and I'm like no I've made uh, an interesting health mechanic that I think is interesting or like the way that you gain memories from your past life I think is uh, interesting so I think I hope there's a large community for it but if only one person loves it I really hope it's a gay Sailor Moon loving person.
0: I, I, I love that, and I do think the audience is going to be more general than just the one gay Sailor Moon loving person, because I know that more than one person who was gay
2: loves Sailor Moon, um, so you already have a few there. You may have um, lost a lot of people just now when you said formalist, though. You should really be careful about that. I can tell I'm on a podcast with a bunch of academics. I mean, we could always cut that out, too, um, but no, it's great. Ever
1: want to be on record as a formalist.
0: <laughs> But in this line of thought, like, are you um, are there any concerns that people kind of outside of who you're designing for would pick this up and have reactions to it? I know that some people who are designing queer games are very like hesitant around some of the content that they put out into the public eye. Is that a concern that you have around kind of the title that you're making here or not at all?
1: I would say not terribly because I have this experience that people read things the way they want to read things. Uh, and while we're like explicitly making this a queer game, uh, part of the game is your magical girl is like... You know how when you're like guardians or uh, there are like guardians or there are sailor soldiers, those, you're a mistress in this game. Um, but we like, we do a very good note of making about like what, what it means and what the gender of a magical girl is and like what it means to be the mistress of something. So we do explicitly put those things in, but I don't think I have any, yeah, I don't, ha- I don't have any reservations about negative reactions to that. I
2: think uh, maybe it feels like there's a little bit of built in safety to the fact that it is like a magical girl game yeah. there's something innately feminine about that that feels like it might it just won't be interesting to people who would deeply not get it and I think it's also like I, I feel like it would be interesting to see it played in like a way that wasn't queer at all it would genuinely be interesting but like I actually think it would probably work right because straight people I've heard Um, rumors that they have journeys of self-discovery as well you know i i totally agree
0: and i think that also the tabletop role-playing game has come a long way since um the dungeons and dragons and all the satanic stuff around that satanic in the air quotes, but people can't see that in a podcast. And so I, I think it's going to have a wonderful audience and reception. Um, but to the game itself and also to the podcast that we're here about in terms of humor, right? So let's talk a little bit about how you've thought about designing humor. I mean, you've mentioned a little bit about the past life and the um, real life. And so what? how are we kind of thinking about humor in the play? Is it very co-constructed between the players and the DM? Is it about who's sitting at the table? Or is the game itself inherently got some funny s- scenes or, um, set up kind of in in the way that it's been put together?
1: So we did, we, we talked about this to try and like articulate it. The game always ends up being humorous in some way. And I think it's not like built in mechanically, like in R for Raccoon, where you have to talk like a raccoon. But I think a lot of it is from the genre. And the way I described it to Dora was, it's kind of this humor of juxtaposition, right? Because you have characters who are battling an evil that is trying to take up the world and also worrying about who they're taking to prom. And so there's this, uh, you get like, there's something very funny about that when you're dealing with these mundane problems and then contrasting them with the world is gonna fall apart. Uh, there's also just something great about the hijinks of high school um, and having <laughs> relationships that you don't know about be revealed over time. Uh, I think it le- uh, sorry, it lends itself back to that fate tangled entanglement of relationships but you do this twice in this game once for your past self and once for your present self so you can find out that like the bully in your high school in your past life was actually your best friend or like uh the girl you have a crush on who doesn't it doesn't acknowledge you exist was actually your lover right and you find this out of overplay i think that lends itself to a lot of um trashy reality tv adjacent situations
2: like there's almost like a cycle of play or a mode of play that is um I think you could lean into more or less as a game master but it's sort of built in that you will spend time with high school students and you will spend time with magical warriors and you will sort of spend time investigating the past world and learning more about it and um and that cycle yeah I think typically in playtesting that cycle does usually lead to uh, like it, you know, it, it leads to when people are in high school, they want to have some fun and they do. Um, I think one of the things that's really cool is that you can really have a session that has like just some laugh out loud, like wackiness and then gets, gets very dramatic by the end. Um, definitely had, definitely had those just like, uh, like really silly hijinks and like, you know, one-liners that then, you know, like gets into sort of like very like grave life and death stuff that, you know, that like the players are kind of like, oh my gosh, this is so, this is, this is so, so, so much uh, by the end. So it's like, a, I, I think it's really cool that it's capable, capable of both those extremes.
0: I think that's the piece that I want to kind of come back to, because this season we've been talking with LARP designers, we've been talking with some other people in the board game world, and when when it comes to TTRPG, there's this really interesting space where humor is like co-created, but it really does depend on kind of who's at the table, and so you you were saying that you'll have these sessions where you have like these, you know, hilarious hijinks going on and then these very deep, serious tones. And I'm wondering how, how you think about designing the, that kind of juxtaposition into the game.
1: So it's been really useful for me to do um, season long play tests. So the game takes place over one season of a magical girl anime. Um, and so we've done a lot of the like first couple episodes of the season, um, but we actually have an episode guide that you don't have to follow, but it's for the GM. And it's like, this is the structure of a magical girl season. Like, oh my God, you find out who you are. You get a magical pet. Um, you do, we do a filler episode. There's a, an episode guide episode for like, oh, you go to the beach and there's a lot of fan service um, and it doesn't advance the plot at all. Like we have an episode guide that goes over that. Um, and GMing that has helped me write the rules more because it, it helps me create play. And when you just write the rules and then you get to see how people play and you're like, oh, maybe I can structure this a little more to direct it towards comedy or to direct it towards lighthearted play. Uh, and I can structure this a little more to direct it towards drama. And so I think we've tried to um, follow follow the trail that our playtests have set forward for us where we do make those, those high school moments lighthearted. Uh, and it can be played other ways, but a lot of it is through play examples, right? You're in the rule book and you're like, oh, here's an example of the type of drama you might want to put into this high school bit. Oh, there's a test you have to study for. Um, the, the mathletes are competing at the school across town. Uh, your crush sent you a Valentine and you didn't send them one. And now they're like, by putting those examples in play, I think you can curate it in, in a slight way, but it definitely is through that co-creation. And I like d- d- that I'm, I'm a terminally collaborative designer. Uh, So every time I play the game, I see something and I'm like, that is smart or genius. And I don't have to put it all in. But as a designer, what I look at is like, how can I try and curate this game so that things like that happen more often? Not that exact thing. Um, And I love the hijinks. So the whole thing has been me trying to structure it so that you get to be like ridiculous anime high school students. And then you get to like find out that you died a tragic death. Uh, I think there was mentioning one episode where in our season, they had to all watch their past selves die. Cause you do these flashbacks to your past life and you witness what happened and they like watched themselves die. Uh, and so like going from, I can't remember what the everyday hijinks that episode was. Do you, but it going from like being a drunk at the cheesecake factory. It was uh, the scavenger hunt. Oh, Oh. Very going, good hijinks. Going from, Like that episode was uh, a senior scavenger hunt at the end of high school. So like going from convincing people to go skinny dipping with you for 15 points on a scavenger hunt to witnessing your past self die, uh, being killed by like a God, I think.
2: uh... But it's really fun. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. Um, The the thing I want to add to that is I I think it also comes back in terms of um, like, how you curate or like set people up for that co-creation is I think that like the web of entanglements is also really important. Um, the, um, the, the, the thing in that episode, right, there are two, there was two of the really funny things that happened in that episode or are the examples I was thinking of, which is that, so my, my character in that game, Allison's is running it, I'm playing uh has uh in the modern day has an entanglement with another character that we're we're best friends even though we're sort of an odd couple like I'm a jock she's a nerd and the other and I also have a a romance with a different character in our past lives that you know I I don't know about until we start playing and both of those just like came to the fore really hilariously in different ways right where we were, um, <laughs> to, for the scavenger hunt, we needed a picture of people kissing, and I ended up kissing my friend, and it was just sort of, like, like, the, the dialogue was, like, I, I'm not attracted to you, as you know, nor I to you, and it's just, like, was, it was also just, like, a perfect character moment, nor I to you is such a nerdy thing to say, but, um, but, and then, like, simultaneously, you know, me and my lover in a past life were sort of, tiptoeing around like wait what does this mean to us in the present and just continually meeting up and it being really awkward and okay you can. In that game.
1: sorry you can cut the next part out if you want but what Dora is tiptoeing around is that the scavenger hunt item was that you got 100 points if you could receive oral sex in the city's bell tower um so that that was what her character and this other character were dealing with while they were also dealing with the fact that they were lovers in the past life but we that's literally
2: just... ran into each other while we were separately trying to fill the condition and it was really weird and so so that condition that's
0: a condition that the GM had in the book or is it one that came out through kind of the story that was being told by the player actions
1: that that was that was my my GM prep um, but it's it's one of the example situations that's in the guide. It's like um, something dramatic at the end of a, a school year, like a senior scavenger hunt. I, I did not come up with that item. I just literally pulled an actual scavenger hunt from a high school senior class. Um, kids these days. I got kids these days. <laughs> um, but the exact details were created by the GM, but the kind of like the overarching situation are play examples that we're hoping to put into the book.
0: I I love that. I have a feeling we're going to be keeping that example in um, just because I think it really does tie into that nature of like what's being prepped and what's actually being done and how does kind of humor kind of come together in those spaces, um, which I think is really wonderful. Um, And so as we're kind of coming to the end of our time here, I'm just going to bring us to a final question on the game is set to release uh, in June. Um, and so with that release, you probably have some nerves, but also some excitement. Um, what, what kind of are your hopes for this game as it goes out into the world and finally leaves your designer hands?
1: Gosh, I just want people to love it. Like, uh, Dora and I made one other game called Denial and Yearning, and it's about writing a trashy lesbian romance novel. Uh, and there was like one, one person on itch.io, like it has a bunch of views, but like one person left a comment. And it was just like, this is the best thing. It's the cutest thing I play with my girlfriend. And I just want, that's all I want, so many of those. I mean, one is wonderful, um, but I just want people to be able to, like, it's a thing I've had for, for eight years and I've run so many playtests of it and I've seen so many people enjoy it. I'm also excited to see what other, what other people do with it. Uh, and then also the positive comments they leave after they do those things. Can I say I'm a sucker for external invalidation? Uh, yeah, I want people to love it. I want people to to make lots of fun self-discovery like realizations while playing. That's Maybe that's too grand, but that's kind of my dream.
2: I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I, the game was not, you know some significant design changes happened after I got involved in the process but it had taken sort of a recognizable shape by the time I joined and um, it's, you know, it's, it's just the kind of game that I, that I love. That's about, um, exploring identity while having opportunities for adventure, as well as like a lot of internal experiences. It's just something that I'm really drawn to. Like my, my probably like my most influential game, in my own work is monster Hearts. Um, so a real sucker for that kind of stuff that uses a framework that's sort of like fantastic fantastical and adventure oriented to explore interior states so you know as soon as the first time I played this I, I really loved it and uh, I think I think a lot of other people will too. How do
0: you understand intimacy and humor either in the game that you've designed that we're talking about today or in games more generally?
1: The thing I did for my master's thesis work was I designed seven games with seven people that I was different levels of intimate with uh, from someone I hadn't met at all to someone who I had known for 20 years and was my best friend. And so it was it was analyzing intimacy. And actually, um, if you knew, know Eileen Holoka, who also was probably around the MLab at the same time as you. Eileen's um,
0: lovely,
1: yes. Uh, was the person I had never met before. Uh, I had been her mentor through Pixels, but we had never like met. And I was like, I know I'm almost a stranger. Will you make a game with me? to investigate what like what intimacy looks like at different stages uh, and so i did that with a bunch of people and the goal was to <laughs> make games that felt like the relationships i had with the people um, through the different stages of intimacy and what i learned from that was just how i guess i see awkwardness as a type of humor uh, i see awkward pauses as funny i know they can they can go into uncomfortable, but I think when you combine awkwardness with intimacy or kindness, it is humor, whereas opposed to awkwardness without those intimacies or kindnesses can be uncomfortable or unpleasant. And so, a lot of the process that I did in that designing were these like funny spaces, uh, like it's funny spaces to be in to feel. And then what came out of them were games that were often also awkward, but mechanically we're like funny and playful. And I think, yeah, I think it comes from this this space of trying to do something intimate, having comfort, and having kindness from everyone who is involved in that effort. You get these like a lot of laughter, a lot of fun moments, a lot of weird, weird games.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really beautiful. And I think that idea of like awkwardness, because we always think of like the awkward laugh, but the way that you're trying to think about it in the game where you can kind of design around it. Uh, in terms of relationship uh, is is really an interesting thing um, that I don't think enough people talk about when they talk about game design. And I think that's perhaps the nature of tabletop role-playing games where people are together. But there's kind of a piece there that I think is really interesting. So thank you kind of for sharing your thoughts there um, and for sharing your thoughts with us. So is there any other closing remarks that you wanted to make for the audience
1: or in general? No, just thank you for having us. Uh, it's really appreciated. We're very excited to get this terribly anxiety inducing kickstarter up and going i just realized
2: that there's something there's a very funny mechanic that we didn't mention that should at least just get a plug here at the end which is that you have to um when you transform you have to come up with the transformation phrase oh yeah shout it out and also do a pose so um yeah Yeah, you're
1: not allowed to flip your character sheet until you do the pose uh forgot about that one
2: (laughs) so in short play our funny game Oh yeah, do you want an example? I'll give you one right now.
0: Can you describe it though, since this is an auditory podcast? Of course, yeah, I'll
2: paint a a word picture for everybody. All right, okay. Um, So my picture my high school girl, Maddie, um, if she was presented with danger, might uh, shout out for everybody to hear since she is the mistress of air. I'm gonna blow you away. And she might like sort of face you in profile and just, just blow a kiss amazing absolutely and then Aya's,
1: amazing i as game master would allow allow that that sheet to flip over
2: the only way to get that plus one to spirit i gotta do it so just to double check to
0: power game in alchemistresses you have to make sure that your performance of transforming is good enough that the gm gives you the bonuses as per the flip of the sheet
1: Yeah, uh, you have to yes uh you have to the gm has to approve your character flip sheet the sheet flip so uh Yes, it is awkward and beautiful. And Okay. I have just, I know everyone comes up with the best lines and the best poses. It is just like really great because it's all element-based puns because everyone's like the mistress of a different element. See, alchemistress, alchemy mistress. It it all makes sense now, but there's just like all these amazing puns. People do great poses. I completely, yeah, I should bring that up more often. People love it.
2: I can't believe we were asked about funny mechanics and we didn't think about that. <laughs> but
0: it's amazing and I love that that's an aspect of the game. I'm so used to like TTRPGs where like the power gaming is like I got a plus one to combat because I took this feat. Whereas yours is like you need to have a performance that is good enough for the GM to accept it. And so actually I have a question. I know that we're running late on time, but I have a question about that. Have there been situations in the game where the pose and statement of flipping intent was not to the GM's desire.
1: I, as long as players do it, I've always allowed the flip, but I will, they'll be like, okay, I'm gonna transform. And I'll be like, are you gonna transform? Because what do you need to do to transform?
2: People will, all the time, people will sort of be like, okay, so I transform and then I'm gonna use my, oh, wait a second, like the tide of battle.
0: This was our conversation with Allison Cole and Dora Rogers. Don't forget to check out and support Alchemistresses on Kickstarter. As always, thanks for listening and see you next time on the Humor and Games Podcast.